can go ahead and turn there. It's Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And as we begin, I want you to think about uh, the cry of an infant baby. Maybe by God's grace, even this morning, we might hear the cry of one of our infants here this morning. Um, If you know the cry of an infant, it's a very distinct and familiar sound, right? Even for people who are removed from having children for a long time will be in a grocery store and they hear a baby cry and they say, wow, that baby's young, right? You know the sound of a little baby. I remember uh, when Emma, our oldest now is eight, I remember when she was an infant and I remember when I first heard her cry, you know, the cry when they're ri- very little is it's not all that loud, but it's really jarring at the same time. It's, it's interesting how uh, jarring it is. And I remember uh, those first few months, Emma didn't sleep out of our arms uh, for six months, so we would take shifts. And I remember any time we tried to set her down, we tried to do all sorts of things um, and ended up giving up and just holding her. <laughs> but we would, we would set her down, and she would cry and cry. And even when I would hold her, I remember telling Allison, I, I lay down to bed, even when she's not crying, and the ringing of her cry is in my ear, right? It's a jarring sound, right? Looking back now, I have rose-colored glasses. I think about this sweet little baby that's crying for her daddy, right? Years ago, researchers... They studied the cry of 60 newborn uh, babies, and they found that each baby has its own cry melody, that they have specific patterns of sounds that are unique to each individual. And more than that, the study found that the babies actually match their cry to the sound and the intonation of their mother. Most mothers, even without these facts, would know that, right? Right? They would know if they hear the faintest cry of their own child from far off, they know that's my baby crying. If there is a baby, your own child, in the midst of 20 other children, and they're all crying, you can hear your own child's cry. Their baby's cry is distinct and recognizable by the mother and the father both. Today in Galatians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at just uh, 4 through 7. The Apostle Paul speaks of the Son of God, being born of a woman, coming as a little infant, Jesus Christ born in the manger. And as we celebrate Christmas today, I want us to think about this tiny infant crying for his mother, probably often like most infants do. This is the way our Savior came into the world. But in our passage today, it doesn't stop with just telling us about this baby being born. It tells us the results. It tells us what this baby accomplishes in his life, that this baby born of a woman, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, accomplished much for his people. So let's go ahead and turn to God's word. We're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, what a privilege and an honor it is to be welcomed into your house on this day that we celebrate the coming of your son. 
Father, as we open your word this morning, we do pray that our hearts, our minds would be open to what you have to say to us, that you would allow uh, our hard hearts to be softened more and more through the reading and the understanding of your word. Father, be here with us as we celebrate this day, your son being born to come to conquer sin and death once and for all. Father, we thank you for this time. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As most of you know, we have been walking through uh, the Advent season with this idea of answering the question, why the God-man? Why did Jesus have to be born at all? And we've seen throughout our time that we've all sinned and fallen short of glory, the glory of God. We saw that in Romans just a few weeks ago. And in our text today, it's good to note that we're in Galatians, but it's still the Apostle Paul speaking, but it's to a different group of people. But today, the Apostle Paul uses the language of slavery. Jesus was born to save his people from their enslavement to sin. That since Genesis 3 forward, by birth, each one of us in this room and every other person that has walked The earth has been enslaved to sin from birth. And because of our sin, we have been orphaned. We have been estranged from our Heavenly Father. In Christ, we are no longer slaves, but free from the curse of sin. We are no longer in bondage, but free. In Christ, we are no longer slaves. And the text tells us not just that we are free from being a slave, but we are now adopted as sons. So more than free, we are now heirs of God himself. So the theme we're looking at today very briefly is that it is only through the cry of the manger that God's people can cry, Abba, Father. It is only through the cry of the manger that God's people can cry, Abba, Father. And we're going to look at two different things. First, crying from the manger. This is from verse 4. And then secondly, we'll look at crying from the people. This is verses 5 through 7. Let's go ahead and look at verse 4. This is crying from the manger. The text says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law. The Apostle Paul begins this passage where we're in today by explaining that Jesus comes at the perfect time, the fulfillment of the many promises that have been made hundreds of years previous. Remember, we've looked at this in the Advent season. There has been promise after promise after promise made in the Old Testament of a Messiah coming. And here, Paul tells us, at the perfect time, at the right time, at the fullness of time, the Messiah has come. I think it's important to note, even from this text, that it says that God sent His Son that Jesus actually existed before he was in the flesh. That God's son, that he was equal with the Father. He is equal with the Father. He comes and takes on flesh. We looked at this last night. This is a new revelation. When he takes on flesh, he comes, but he's always existed. When Jesus comes in the manger, it's a new chapter. But Jesus, the eternal son of God, he comes to his people as a helpless infant. He is born of a human mother. That's what the text says. Jesus is the Son of God, born of a woman. He is human, fully human, like you and me, born of a woman. At the same time, sent from God, eternal, 
this morning I was listening to Christmas music as I'm getting ready, and it said, he is the infinite infant. I thought that was profound. He is the infinite infant, right? He is fully God and fully man. This little infant crying in the arms of Mary is both fully God and fully man, 100%, 100%. There are some theological uh, ideas that we can go at hard and we can understand lots of different uh, things about them. There are some things that we go at and we say, well, I have to stop here and kind of jump over it because there is something in this mystery that I do not understand. We've talked about this before, this idea of mystery. The incarnation, Jesus being fully man, 100% man and 100% God is one of those mysteries. Because there's nothing else that's 100%, 100%. I love Arnold Palmer's. If I ever go out to lunch with you, I guarantee you I will order an Arnold Palmer. If you know what that is, it's half tea, half lemonade. If I were to ask them for 100% tea, 100% lemonade, they would probably look at me like I'm crazy or maybe bring me two glasses, right? There's no such thing. We don't understand that for us in this life. We don't understand 100, 100, but Jesus is that. He is 100% God, 100% man. He was born of a woman, born under the law, the text tells us, required to keep the law, the Torah, the law of God. And he kept it perfectly. He never broke a single commandment. He followed the biblical pattern of worship that was given to God's people. He kept the feasts in Jerusalem. He celebrated the Passover Everything the law required, this man did. So I want you to picture this little baby boy in the arms of Mary the first night. No one ever warned me about the first night of being a parent. Maybe they did and you just don't understand until you get there. But I remember Emma would not sleep. And I remember watching the sun come up without sleeping and thinking, this is my life now. I will never sleep again, right? God's son comes as that little baby being held by a mother. He took on flesh, fully God, yet fully man, being born under the law and in his life fulfilling the law. And while fulfilling the law, he was punished for the lawbreakers that he loved so much. One theologian says this, he not only kept the whole law for his people, but he also suffered the punishment due to their sins. This little infant born crying in the manger leads to God's people being able to cry, Abba, Father. Let's look at that secondly. Crying from the people, this is verses 5 through 7. We're going to look at verse 5 and 7 first, and then we'll end with looking at verse 6. So verse 5 to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. Verse 7, So you are no longer a slave, but now a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So though we have all of us have been born under the law and broken the law, God's son was also born under the law, but he did not break it. And yet, he still took on our penalty now this brings redemption we looked at this three weeks ago buying back right he bought back with a price of his own blood he bought back his people but this text tells us he doesn't leave us there it's not only that he was bought back 
but adopted. That we have been brought back, we have been adopted back into the family of God, adopted as sons and daughters of the king. I want to mention here this text uh, has some things that maybe can trouble us, right? It says adopted as sons. I want to remind us what Chuck said maybe four months ago now when it talks about adoption as sons. It does not mean that only the sons are adopted. It doesn't mean the females don't qualify. But in this time, it's good to understand the context of where the writing was. The son would have been the heir of the father. The inheritance from a father only goes to sons in this time. So when he says in this text and in Romans that you have been adopted and you are now an heir of God, that is male, female, Jew, Gentile, young, old. Everyone gets the inheritance of the father. Everyone who believes and trusts in Jesus. When anyone repents of their sins, they're not only redeemed from slavery, but they're brought in to the family of God as an heir of the Father. Verse 6, he goes on. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Because you are an heir of God, the Father sends the Spirit of His Son into your life. As people who are heirs, your very nature is changed. You are a new creature. God changes us by sending God's Spirit into our hearts. And through this Spirit, we now can cry out, Abba, Father. And this cry, Abba, Father, is a cry of only someone that has been redeemed and adopted by God Himself. And it is a a term that is both intimate and confident. One theologian says this about this phrase, Abba, Father. It was not enough for them to identify God as Father. They sought to identify with Jesus' own experience of God as Abba, claiming for themselves the quality of that intimate relationship and that confident self-knowledge as being not merely God's creature, but God's child, seeking to know and experience God precisely as Jesus knew God and made God known. By the work of the Spirit, those who have trusted Jesus and repented of their sins now turn to God the Father in the same intimacy and confidence that Jesus does. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it remarkable that Stott says this, that the Father sent His Son that we might have the status of sonship. And He sent His Spirit that we might have an experience of it. That we get to experience the love of the Father in the same way that Jesus does. You know, many theologians will say that this word uh, or this phrase, Abba, Father, can be translated daddy, right? Last night, some of my kids, my children, my older kids opened up one of their presents and they got a Nintendo Switch, their first gaming console from their grandparents. When they filled out my name, what do you think that they put? Daddy. That's what they put because it's an intimate word even that we still use now. So when he says this, Abba, Father, it is an intimate and confident way of coming to God that in the same way that Jesus looks to the Father, now we can do that through the Spirit. 
So remember today, as we celebrate Christmas Day, this day where Jesus has come into the world, that he became a man by God sending his son, being born of a woman. And when you turn from your sins and you trust in him, you are an heir of God. So from this passage this morning, we see that it is only through the cry of the manger that you and me can be redeemed, bought back from our sin. It is only through the cry of the manger that you and me can be heirs of God. And it is only through the cry of the manger that God's people can cry out, Abba, Father. Let us pray together. Father, what a blessing, privilege, honor it is to be able to come to you to speak in terms of intimacy and confidence that only your Son has, but has been given to us through the Spirit. Father, today on this day in which we celebrate the coming of your Son, we do pray that our hearts would be focused on that very truth, that he came into this world to conquer sin and death once and for all. We get so easily distracted by the many other things that go on in this season. We do pray as we pause Uh, today to come to this table to be reminded of what you have done for us at the same time be nourished by your son's body and blood father we thank you for this morning where you have invited us into your house to bring you praise and honor and glory in the precious name of jesus we pray amen